because it sure does us. Amen. Where would we be today if we didn't believe in the omnipotence of God's power and His wisdom to know when terrible things come our way? He knew it. He didn't always orchestrate it, but He knew it would would come and already knew the answer before we ever prayed the prayer. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a baby dedication today. Brother Jake and Sister Lydia will come and we'll dedicate our little boy to the Lord. Bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in, bring the Father, what a great thing it is, life itself. We realize, Lord Jesus, it was you who spoke to our parents in the Garden of Eden. You were the one who gave the plan for life. When it seemed all was lost after the end of living destruction, again you sent Adam, Noah rather than his seed out, to multiply and replenish. We're so thankful today, Father for the gift that you've given to my brother and sister. Lord, I pray that you would just take his little life. Father, may you help them that they can assume this awesome responsibility. It's amazing what a child does, how it changes your whole perspective of everything. May you help my brother to be the right kind of father, my sister to be a declaration of the fifth, fifth gospel of Christ. Lord, I pray you'd keep him from the evils and the diseases that are so plaguing humanity. If time would tarry and he would be old enough to be able to give his heart to you, Lord, I pray that you'd deal with him while he's young and tender. Help him, Father, we pray. We dedicate his little life to you today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. Let us stand together if you would. <clears throat> Brother Louis already said what a great privilege it is for us to be in the house of God today. <clears throat> Certainly appreciate the opportunity for each of us to be able to be joined together and thank the Lord for his great abundant mercy to all of us. Let us uh, read, if you would, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 18, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So whenever we look around and we see the war going on in Ukraine and we see the threats being made to other European nations, just keep this before you. 
Mr. Putin is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. There's only one Almighty God, and his name is not Vladimir. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know today what his intentions are, what Putin's plans are, but I know one thing. He will not be able to stretch beyond the boundary that God will allow it to be. If we're on the brink of a nuclear thing, then I say, praise the Lord, let's get ready and leave this world. I also say this, if he's not the man to be in charge of Russia, to be able to bring the annihilation of the end time, this could be the beginning of his demise. Because those things will be raised and lowered, and God is the one who has the superior power over it all. So don't be scared to death. Brother Bam told us over and over again. Can you imagine? In 1949, he started saying it. 1950, he kept saying it. Don't fear Russia. Don't fear Russia. Preachers is preaching it, people and their agenda. He might have wondered himself, why in the world am I even saying that? It was very unpopular during the time. But he said, don't fear them. Our greatest enemy, he said, is our own immorality. Notice in verse 17, he is before all things, before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. Now, Paul brings in thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, all those things which, of course, reflect the governments of the world, also demonic power. But he wants you to know his real purpose is he's the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things that he might have the preeminence. What a great desire this must be of God. We're going to pray. I'm sure that you have requests, desires on your heart today. Brother Louie mentioned Brother Fred Mullins earlier, and I talked to him a bit ago before I came to church, and Brother Fred had had a light stroke, and they've... um, put him to where that he cannot be able to preach for about a month, be able to drive and do lots of things. Different folks from the church had contacted him and he wanted me to express to you their appreciation and he wanted us to remember him in prayer that the Lord would just be with him and and help him during this time. How many of you have a need, a request, something on your heart before the Lord? Let's take it to him right now through this great channel of prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful today that we have you, Lord, that we can come to. We know that the earth has been through these difficult times before. We know that wars are birth pains. We know that calamities and travesties on the earth are birth pains. We don't know exactly where we are in the time slot. We believe that we're at the end. Is it this close to where that we are facing a great nuclear affair. We don't know. But Lord God, I'm so glad today that I have a bomb shelter. It's not made out of concrete and rebar. It's not buried down in the ground and I would have to have an elevator down a shaft to get down into it. And somehow if I did live through the concussion of the earth that I would be able to come up out of there and uh, the radiation wouldn't kill me. But I'm so glad that I have a bomb shelter that's made out of feathers. It may seem crazy to the world, but to us, the safest bomb shelter we could have 
is made out of feathers. It is the wings of our fathers, we would say. Lord God, you see our needs, our requests today. They are many. We bring them before you. Lord, I pray for my dear friend, my brother today, Brother Fred. God, that you'd be with him, Lord. That you'd help him, give him strength, Lord. Help him, Father. The doctor told him it was not so much anything physical, high blood pressure, this or that, but just stress. Just stress. What a stressful time we're living in. But may you help each of us as the people of God to be able to learn that there is a place where we can let off the stress or the pressure. That's in Christ Jesus. You saw the hands of the people that were uplifted, hundreds of them, Lord. Be mindful of our needs today. Speak to us from your word, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to say before I speak here that many of you have been praying for Erica, of course, and on Wednesday she was so, so sick. And uh, on Thursday, I took her to get her fluids, and then afterwards, we had to take Emma to music, and I asked Erica if she wanted me to take her home, and she said, no, I'm feeling pretty good. You got time for us to go to Grand Furniture? So Wednesday morning, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, she was laying on the bathroom floor, so weak, where she'd vomited so many times, she couldn't even get up, couldn't even get dressed, did not have the strength or the ability to even get dressed by herself. And then Thursday, we're furniture shopping. And we want to say to you, we, we appreciate that. I believe in the prayers of the saints. Amen. We know that we're living in quite a troubled time, stressful time. And we know that God is pressing from above us, and Satan is certainly pressing from beneath us. And I know that you're uh, praying for the saints, of course, in Ukraine, and I've been in touch with many of them, different ones, and hearing different reports every day of things that are going on, and even hearing some supernatural intervention of things that God is doing um, for the Ukrainian people, not just those who follow the end time message, but uh, just don't forget it, and I know that you won't, because they're in a certainly a great strait. And we know that it's all about kings, dominions, thrones, principalities. It's the world that we're living in today is under the onslaught of the power of darkness. It's all about one being that is wanting to achieve his will. He's always desired to be able to rule the world. And I'm talking about Satan, of course. And all this darkness, all this death, all this suffering of humanity... And then all he has to do is find a ruler, a dictator, a prime minister, a president, or whoever that can submit everything they are to him, and he will try to live out his own goal. This is what we see happened, of course, in the days of Ezekiel when he was prophesying. And he said, son of man, take up a lamentation. 
against the king of Tyrus. And we know it was a natural king that was ruling during that time frame. But it wasn't so much him alone that the prophet was speaking to. But he was speaking to the devil that was incarnate, as it were, in this king's body. And Satan, through different time frames, had been able to find people that he could do this through. What does he want? Preeminence. He wants preeminence. He will never, never be happy until he can be able to achieve it and have the entire earth as his own. He will only be able to maintain that for a few short years. But can you imagine a being who has desired to have such control for thousands of years? If we could go as by this time when Father had begun to expand his creation beyond just the heavenly galaxies, and he started making uh, the stellar lights, the stars, the moon, the sun, the universe as we know it, and the angelic beings, remember they were already created. They were already there in his presence, already worshiping him. And the prophet catches for us the timeline when the angels fell, and that was before the earth was ever brought into existence. So Satan already, by then, of course, in the beginning, he was not called the devil. He was not called Satan. He was not called a liar, a cheat, a deceiver. But he was called Lucifer, day star. He was called the light bringer. He was in a position as God's right-hand man, as it was to fellowship. He must have a kingdom, a place by where he can go. He had no subjects. He was not able to make any. He does not have creative powers and ability. He has a godlike desire to be worshiped like God, but he does not have godlike power to create subjects. So he must twist, contort, pervert subjects that God has made. When our father created the angels and he created myriads without number as far as we would be concerned, and there were some, of course, that were of elect nature. Paul calls them elect angels. And there were others that actually were created on a certain day, if I can say it that way. They had a, a time that they began. They will inevitably have a time that they will cease to exist. Angels that though heavenly, though of a great nature and of a great ability, but they have one thing that the elect angels didn't have, and that was the ability to leave the providence of God. Peter, when he writes about it also in Jude, and they capture this great fall, and he says that they left their first estate. So they were given a dominion in the heavenly realms. Every devil that you and I fight today at one time was an angel of God. If you can imagine it, they stood before him 
before the dawn of time, before there was ever a light meter, an atom, a molecule, and they worshiped and praised and adored. And no doubt they had an element of submission and an element of respect and honor. Can I say even love? They must have been awed by his great being and his presence. Yet some of them standing there had the ability to choose. No evil had ever been placed before them. So there was nothing to choose from at the time. So all they knew was praise, adoration, love, submission to Almighty God. But then this other being, this right-hand man to fellowship, there were two great ones there, Michael and Lucifer. And they were the chief angels, the one who stopped the approach, of course, was given to the day star. Now God says about him, thou art the anointed cherub, and I have set thee so. So the anointed cherub was the one who stopped the divine approach. So angels of lower ranks, there are cherubims, seraphims, zooms, all different categories of angelic beings. So if one would approach Father, then Lucifer was the one who stopped their approach. And it was God who set him in such a place. He said, on the day that thou wast created, all of thy tablets and thy pipes, thou wast perfect from the day that I created thee. But remember, if you get really down and really discouraged sometime, and you say, well, what's the outcome? What, what's, what's gonna happen and where am I gonna go? You might wanna do this. You might wanna sing happy birthday to the devil. Because he had a day that he started. And he's gonna have a day he's going to be destroyed. But if you have the Holy Ghost today and you're a seed of God, you never started on any certain day and you're certainly not gonna end. In our minds, it's, it's hard for us to comprehend because we're so limited. So we can't go back in time by a visible presence, but God allows us through prophetic insight to be able to travel back and see what it must have been like for a moment. In that great realm, and we don't know how long it was, could have been millions of years if we would measure time. But actually, whenever it was there, God himself had this great plan before him. And I know when now we're looking at nuclear bombs and we're looking at pain and sorrow and suffering, but really that is so trivial and so small in the eyes of God. It will be lasting such a short time. And I saw a brief report just this week of what would happen if a nuclear bomb was dropped on just one city. And within a second, 
those that are within a certain perimeter of where this bomb would explode. The people, the buildings, the dirt, the iron, the concrete, the steel, within so many kilometers of where it's dropped, everything there would totally vaporize. There would be no bones, no wood, no concrete, no metal. Within a matter of seconds, it would start pulling in the air, the oxygen, then would form the mushroom cloud. Within a matter of seconds, people outside of that first initial circumference would recognize something's wrong. They would hear the sound, they would see the light. Some would step to their window. Within five seconds, it would be beyond that, continuously growing, getting bigger and bigger. They would take their phone, as it were, to take a picture. They step up to the glass, and the glass explodes. They have now been evaporated themselves. It continues to go. Bridge is exploding. Hydrogen and oxygen in the air. We are used to, if we have an emergency, dialing 911. Within a matter of moments, they're able to come and help us. But when this happens, the hospitals will have been exploded. Doctors will die as well as everybody else. I want you to think, friends, that God has provided a place for us. But we can only go if we accept his provided way to that place. What kind of a being would want such a thing? What kind of a being would want nations to have this ability to where they would be able to make such a bomb? And of course we know it was Einstein breaking into the law of relativity and these other laws to find out how to divide the atom. Remember God was the first one to divide the atom. And he did it by spoken word. And when God spoke and said, let there be light and an atom divided, there was no nuclear fallout. He's the only one that knows how to do it and not cause radiation. But you see, man broke into the laboratory of God enough to be able to do this and do that. But when he does it, then he has all of the fallout. All of the radiation. It must have been a great day in hell. When it was announced that science had broken to the laboratory of God. And they had figured out a way to divide the atom. And then the nuclear reaction that would happen. The demons must have been rejoicing. When the first bomb, not in Hiroshima, Nagasaki, but actually in America, when they were able to drop it in the proving grounds. Whenever they were able to finally break in to the weapon of prophetic utterance that the prophets saw. Seeing that there would come a time on the earth, and Peter wrote about it, but I'm not sure that Peter knew what he was saying. Peter wasn't a prophet like Paul, so he received the inspiration from the Lord, no doubt. 
But we don't know that Peter actually saw what he wrote if the Spirit of God just came on him and he wrote it down and he said that the elements would melt with a fervent heat. The atomic bomb, the hydrogen bomb, the cobalt bomb, the laser weapons, many of the things that they have today, of course, was not even in existence 2,000 years ago. Yet the formula to be able to make them was already in existence, but they could not find it until this day. And they, no doubt, must have rejoiced when the woman, even prior to this, had broke into the chemicals that God placed in the earth. And remember where much of this comes from. It's from the chemicals that God created in the earth. And when they were able to take the radium and find the certain things that was there. And the woman, of course, one of the French scientists that was able to come up with this. And it was a great enlightening time. But yet for those who worked in it, many of them, of course, developed cancer. Many of those that was around it developed it later. And it took them a while to be able to understand what it was. But they broke in to something God put in the earth. Uh, It's a phenomenal statement that Brother Brandon makes about it. He said, God does not destroy man. Man destroys himself. And we know whether it's now, whether it'll be six months later, six years later, 10 years, I don't have an idea. All I know is it will come to pass. But my focus today for you is not telling you prepare for a nuclear war next week, because none of us really know that. But my thought for you today and myself is for us to be ready every day, every hour. And I'm not here today to preach to you a scared religion. That you will come to an altar, you'll come screaming, crying out of fear, and you'll give the Lord Jesus in your heart. And then if two or three weeks or four weeks, they come to a peace agreement and everything goes back to normal, and then you say, well, I give my heart to God for no reason at all. No, if you're coming out of fear, that's about what it amounts to. But if you come to him because of love, then whether there is a war or peace, you love him the same. Whether things are going well or things are difficult, it does not matter to you because you are living for him because you love him. Now, Satan is desired. I hope you understand that he has longed for this day. It's not only the Lord Jesus desired his position in the bride, but Satan has also desired his place, this hour of prophecy, for many, many years. Down through the ages, he was able to get a little bit of a hold in the political realm. And the geopolitical phase, of course, has changed many, many times. And he was able to get a world leader here and one there and one there. But it was so short-lived. But he's longed to be the ruler of the earth. As of yet, he's never been able to do it. Now, once man fell, of course, and forfeited his rights to the tree of life, the book of life, the water of life, the garden of life, everything of life, then Satan became a squatter on the earth. Now, he lives in it, of course, and he had no place to go. Remember when they saw Father expanding his creation, 
And he saw as father started making all these millions and billions of stars and planets. I don't know how he perceived it, but there must have been a special love, a special attention that God made for this tiny blue dot that you and I live on today and we call it Mother Earth. There must have been a special something, a care, a love, a divinity about the way that he made it, that it's different than all the others. Even the position that he placed it in what is called the habitable zone. Had he placed it further out away from the sun, we could never live and have life. Had he placed it very much closer to the sun, we could have never lived and have life because of the extreme heat. But he placed it right in that habitable zone. And he placed our moon 238,000 average miles away from the earth. Our, our sun 93 million miles away from the earth. And placing us where that whenever we look up into the night skies, if you will, this week and the next few days, and you will see the three brightest star planets, which are Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. And whenever you go to any other place in the universe, you'll not see it. Even those, those uh, astronauts that go out there and they take it from a different angle and it looks totally different from there. Orion's belt does not look the same as it looks from the Earth. The seven sisters, Pleiades, and all of those things that God placed there. The story, what is it? He wrote his first Bible in the stars. But it's only really legible and readable when you're from the earth. Because if you're out there, it looks totally different. So you gotta be at the right place to be able to read what God wrote. Amen. Amen. And this is why that God places seasons upon his word as he does our earth. And oh, how beautiful, my, we're getting around. The daffodils uh, begin to break out of the ground and little buds are coming off the trees. And it's done this for thousands of years since the earth, which was originally standing upright and did not tilt on its axis. And the temperature was the same all around. And this is why, of course, that they are finding some of these great massive animals and things with uh, fr fern fronds in their mouths and they're finding all of these things and they're so worried about global warming. I'm kind of excited about global warming myself because I'm figuring the millennium is fixing to break before long and there'll be no winter in the millennium. Hallelujah. When the Lord God had it all under his control. Now I understand where they're coming from because I realized when the earth stood up like this and it was global warming, the temperature was the same all the way around and the carbon and so on didn't affect it the way it does now. So if the temperature gets too much like this, it can certainly produce more storms, hurricanes and so on because of the barometric pressure. But whenever the Lord God comes back to the earth and gets it under his control, you see his whole thing is gaining preeminence over the earth. But it's amazing because he wants to gain preeminence in man before he gains it on the earth. You and I would think, no, 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 God, don't do it that way. Get it over the earth and then get man under your control. But he's got to reverse it. The plan of redemption has to go back the way it was fallen. You see, the earth never stepped out of God's will first. It was the man. 
It was not the, the even beyond our own planet, everything else as far as we know is still exactly where God placed it in the beginning. And yet it was only this one here that fell because this one was placed under the headship of man. So when the man fell, that his home fell with him. And what does the Redeemer do? He redeems the man himself first and then the earth will follow in that cycle of redemption. Now then he has this enemy that is there. And I imagine that those angels by this time when Father began to speak all these things and the Logos brings them into existence and he begins to watch. That's a very uh, peculiar thing but yet the prophet tells us that day on Calvary that the great earthquakes that shook you know whenever the Lord Jesus died and shook many of the things of the earth and Satan was walking up and down the earth when the earth was taking on its primeval form Whenever the Lord God brought it into existence and it laid there in that darkness and it was constantly being transformed by the Logos from a horrible state, a state of darkness, and then to the primeval state, and then to the state where it was livable. You imagine these demons and Satan and they watched. Venus did not have trees. Jupiter did not have trees. Mars did not have trees. Arcturus did not have animals and lakes and streams. But this one was the only one. And you imagine these demons and their head Satan as he and I remember he had no place to go he went to the north side of heaven and he started a revolt in heaven and the angels which could choose and those who were not elect made up their mind they wanted to leave the Lord God they got tired of praising. They got tired of loving him. They got tired of everything about their life. Oh my, it must have been Satan with his dictatorial preaching. And he began to preach to them what a mean God God was. What a selfish God that he was. And he began to preach. Now, can you imagine Satan began to preach? So the first preacher, as far as preaching of rebellion, was the devil himself. And he began to preach his rebellion there in heaven because there was no earth yet. There was no other sphere for him to go in, so he began to preach it there in heaven. And those angels, he took his tail as it was, which was his lies, which he's still doing today. And he sowed them among angels which had never cursed. They'd never lied. They had never smoked. They had never had an evil thought of lust. They had never done anything wrong in their existence. And they might have been millions of years old if we would measure time. And yet there, in heaven they made their choice and it should be no marvel to you and I that there will be people living on the earth in the millennium in human bodies they will be living side by side shoulder to shoulder with the elect of God as we are living in glorified bodies and there will be people in the millennium that will be here and live for a thousand years a thousand years they will watch you appear and disappear they will watch you as saints of God living in a glorified body they will see the kingdom of God manifested on the earth and the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters oh what a great day it will be yet at the end of that millennium they will do what the angels did insomuch that they will rebel against this kingdom of the son of David which will be the Lord Jesus you think how in the world could people do it just like the angels did at the beginning 
Now they'll live a thousand years to show that God is on the cycle of redemption to take away the curse. Oh, hallelujah. And yet at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be loosed out of his prison and he'll come upon the earth and they will gather together and he will gather his people. And think of it, in the resurrection, the others will be raised and they will also gather together and fire will come down and destroy them. Now here Satan has this something about himself. What does he want? Preeminence. But it's not preeminence in love. It's not preeminence in a kingdom. Oh, he offers people what he calls a kingdom. He makes them think it's definitely more more fun to serve him than it is to live for God. He wants to project God as this evil, wicked tyrant that takes away this and that and the other from his people and they can't have no fun and they can't smile and they can't be happy. In reality, we're the only ones and they've really got something to smile about. And our smile can be a lasting smile because when this life is over, we're gonna be the ones left standing smiling on the earth. But he wants to project God as being the evil one. That's the way he projected him to Eve. And this is the way Eve took him. And he said, yay, has God said. So he projects God to her as one that is keeping her from something. He is keeping her from something that was good for her, he says. And something that would really be beneficial. He's up to the same trick today. And yet whenever he saw this earth and he must have thought within his being as he walked up and down the coals of fire. Now remember this is before it was existed on by man. And he placed his footprints. Footprints means possession. So he walks upon the earth in this brimstone primeval state. And he comes upon it and says, somehow I must get this place. God had kicked him out of heaven. So him and his fallen angels were living in a heavenly realm somewhere, a sphere that was not habited by God. And he walked upon this earth and as he looked around and he thought, I must have this. I want this place. You imagine as he covered the circle of the earth, him and his angels as father began to speak and the Logos began to carry it out. And the earth, as we pick it up there in the book of Genesis, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, which the word there in the Hebrew is Ruach, Elohim. And it is the word as an eagle that it would flutter its wings. So Ruach, Elohim, began to flutter over the earth. And as it did, it began to gather the waters together. And the places he gathered the waters he called lakes and rivers and streams. And he also separated the light from the darkness. And the darkness he called night. And the day, of course, the light he called day. And these beings as they're watching the heavenly father unfold now through his sonship. This is, a, this is his great achievement. He wants to be able to reveal himself to people. So before he ever has any humans on the earth, he's got to have a place to take them. The little baby that we dedicated a while ago, the mother and father, when they found out they were expecting, and then such anticipation and excitement. And unlike when Carol and I had ours, you're able to go to the doctor and they're able to do a scan on you and tell you, well, it's going to be a boy or it's going to be a girl. And they're able to make preparation. They go to painting the room and buying this and that and the other. Well, father knew 
He was going to have a whole world full of sons and daughters. So father, under this expectation, giving birth to the Logos, and out of the Logos, his plans were for every other son and daughter to come out of the Logos. Oh, you say, I wish I could have. If you got the Holy Ghost, you did. Notice then father, as he began to make a beautiful place, what was it? Man's nursery. So your father begins to make it an eye. He didn't want to make it just black and white, but God loves colors. You know, our father must love green, and he loves all shades of green. You're going to see it here before long. In another month or so, the shades of green will explode, and the grass will be one color of green, and then the maples will be another color of green, and then the, the deciduous trees that have stood here all winter, and they've been so bare, and there will be one shade of green after another after another. He loves green greens and he loves blues and he loves aquas. I'm glad he chose blue for the sky. It'd be kind of weird to have a red sky all the time. But you know, he, he knows how to choose colors. Now there's even a science of this of course, that doctors for the last several, several years, decades have been painting doctor's offices a certain color. Psychiatric wards are painted a certain color. And offices are painted a certain color because colors affect our mood. So you go into a certain place and it's a different color and you start feeling really weird, unpleasant and all, it could be the paint, that color of the room that's affecting your mood. So father began to paint his nursery and he started making greens and blues and aquas and, and he began to put them out there and he thought oh, what a beautiful place for my children to live. And he had waters and he said, well I don't want just big bodies of waters like oceans, but I want smaller ones. I want some salt water. I want some to be pure. I want rivers. I want streams. I want sandy water. I want moving water. I want botany life. I want animal life. I want all of these things. And what's he doing? He's making this beautiful, beautiful nursery for his creation that's going to come on the earth. It is what was termed when the brother Branham was here, they called it a layout. And that was that the parents would pick out and they'd get the booties and the, you know, the bird eye, which was diapers, you know, and the pens and so on. And it was called a layette. So whenever he preaches this and things that are to be, and he takes and he runs that parallel that God had this great layout. And he laid it out by spoken word of wanting to have a place for his children to live. Oh, but his enemy was watching all along. He did not admire the greens and the trees. He did not necessarily love the aura of the blue skies or when the sun would possibly set in the afternoon and it would create the hues of orange and red and deep yellows. Oh, he did not look at it in the same way that you and I do today. But he simply looked at it as something that he could steal away from father. He could not make another. He could not make his own earth. If we would allow him a billion years, he could not make one fly. He could not make one flea. He could not make one blade of grass. So the only thing he can do if he wants one is take it away from God. Don't you understand why hell is against you? Don't you understand why Satan hates you so much? You, your family, everything you do, if there's anybody that he's after, it's a child of God. 
He hates everything that God touches. He hates everything that God loves. Some of you may wonder why all hell is broke loose against you since you gave your heart to God or maybe you've moved up closer to the Lord Jesus and whenever you do it seems like everything comes against you. It's because you have found favor in his eyes and he hates everything that God loves and favors. Oh, if we could go back there and hear them as they begin to speak together in this conquest, in this war council, as he and his demons begin to try to make a plan and they watch and this, the earth coming into this state. We don't know exactly how long that it was from that original, but we'll set this way from the dispensation when the light started breaking on the earth for a period of at least 6,000 years. The earth was unfolding from one stage to another. And they, as they would watch each thing, they, they couldn't appreciate it because by now their being is filled with rebellion. So they looked upon the earth and its great pre-Eden condition and they had no respect, no honor, simply looked at it as a place that they could conquer. You look at people like Vladimir Putin and you look at, at the pictures and all of you have seen them as well as myself and you see they're bombing these beautiful buildings and these places where these people live and they're getting on trains and uh, running for their lives and leaving behind their, their livelihood and all, all that they've known and now become strangers in Poland and here and there and there. And I saw some pictures this morning of some saints of God that have left and went to a, another country and had to be there. And the tears in their eyes are yet so grateful to be alive. But left behind everything because some man anointed by the devil and cares not for humanity, cares not. Oh yeah, sure, he said that all of those over there in Ukraine, they'll give them free citizenship if they want to come over to Russia. My goodness, that's like jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. I mean, you're going to go move in with the devil? Oh, you say, I'd never do that. You've done it spiritually if you haven't given the Lord Jesus your life. You were born lost without God and whenever you turn down your opportunity to serve the Lord, it would be like a Ukrainian going up and say, I want to become a Russian while the Russians are leaving trying to get out on the other side. Well, come on, children. But you realize that God allowed him. Now, Papa cannot make this. It's against his nature. It's against his goodness. It's against the magnificence of who he is to create all this that we see on the earth today. He could never do it. Neither could he make man do it and then punish man for what he did. But he made this being in the beginning and he made him in a similarity to himself. You see, you don't find the devil in the book of Isaiah or in the book of Ezekiel saying, I want to be like the devil. I want to be evil. I want to be rotten. I want to be corrupt. But he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Yea, I will be like the most high. I will exalt my throne above the stars. And you've heard me say it before. The Hebrew word there is the progeny or the Messiah's brothers. How did he know he was going to have brothers? 
So he looked at the earth and this beautiful state. Oh, our minds, I, I don't think mine can. I've got quite an imagination. But I don't think that our minds, because of limited ability that we have under the law of contrast of negativity, would ever be able to break in to understand what a beautiful place this was. And it reminds me of a home. They give their heart to God, a man and wife, and they go to bringing their children up in the right way, and Satan will attack them. He absolutely despises them. And he will attack them with sickness or disease, or put another woman in front of that man's eyes, or another man in front of that woman's eyes. And what does he want? All he sees is chaos and destruction. God looks at it and sees a man and a woman, and they're raising their children in the way of the Lord. They go to the house of God. They live for the Lord Jesus and Satan looks at that and says I can't stand it I absolutely hate that they live right it goes against me don't you understand you living right or you say I've never done anything for God when you live right it's like it scalds the devil's hide it's like it burns him up that you live an everyday Christian life you're not made to you're not scared to God ain't giving you money you do it because you want to and it tears the devil all to pieces. Why? You're so different than the rest of the other seven billion people that are upon the face of the earth. You're not scared to do it. God's not beating you. And if you don't go to church today, I'll tell you one thing, I'll burn your car up tomorrow evening. You better do this. You say, oh, I can't wait to get to church today. I'm so excited about living right. I'm so excited. Look, for a real Christian, this is who they are. It's not like a suit of clothes that you put on on Sunday and then you take your Christianity off on Sunday evening and you live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, but a Christian is a Christian with or without a tie. A Christian is a Christian with or without their Sunday best. They are a child of God by nature. You imagine as they come up to him this particular morning, And they said, Commander, what's your plans? Where are we going? What are we doing? I'm not sure. We need a place. He kicked us out of heaven. We need a place. I don't know about you all, but I don't like hell. It was made for us, but I don't like it here. I've gotten my eye on that place up there he called Earth. Isn't it amazing that the Earth is the only planet whose name is in the book of life? Glory. He said, why don't God just wipe it off? She is one of his attributes. He said, why would God ever put up with me and my laziness and my foolishness and all that? Because you're one of his attributes. As far as easy, it'd been much easier for him to got rid of me a long time ago. 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it for you too. It'd been a whole lot easier if him got rid of a lot of y'all and just started over. But you know what? He knew if you started over, it'd be the same thing again. So why keep on starting over again? Just get one and do it right, and then you've got the job done. So instead of getting you and the first time you mess up, I'm trashing you and throwing you in the trash heap. No, he gives you a down payment of his own life and places within us the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, which becomes the invisible union of the mercy seat and the altar and the throne all in one because king, priest, oh hallelujah, and great lawgiver becomes merged in the heart of the true believer and it absolutely turns hell upside down because Satan can be able to do this and that and the other and he's got the world for the most part in his control that there's a handful of people living on the earth and he makes them sad and God makes them happy. He makes them sick and God makes them well. He sends disease and cancer and this and that and the other and in spite of it all they get up and say the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I fear? And it's like all of those that he has means nothing as long as he don't have you. So it's like Haman when he climbs up on the back of his horse and he starts down through the streets and everybody bows the head, everybody bows the knee, everybody pays obeisance to him except for one holy roller. And there stands, <laughs> there stands Dal in this day. There stands you, or you, or you. And you won't bow, and you know there's a price that goes with it. And Haman rides by you with all of his adultery, and all of his pornography, and all of his filth, and all of his fear, and all of his lies, and you stand right there and look him in the face and say, ha ha, devil, not today. Not today, devil. Not today, nor tomorrow, nor the next day. Why? You're of a different species. Hallelujah. You are not of this world. You are of the word. So I can see it as the Logos enters in under the canopy of the trees. Father spoke and said, let us make man. And they got a whole Satan down there. Get up here. God's making something different. It's not fish, it's not squirrels, rabbits, all these other things. God said something about Adam, which was what the word man means in the Hebrew. God's going to make Adam. What's that? I know he said, let us make man in our image. So they watched and they listened. And here was the Logos, and out of the Logos come this being. 
And they saw it, but they didn't see it. Because it was a spirit being his first created form. I said, well, he's like him. We can't touch him. Then the Lord God made from the dust of the earth a body. And he started forming it fingers and bones and tissues and toes and cheekbones. And you imagine them demons that It ain't moving. So here then Papa reaches down and uh, the prophet said his toes was like the roots of a tree down in the earth. He just stands there. Kind of reminds me of some church folks. <laughs> You need the breath of life. <laughs> now they look. Does that look like anybody we know? Maybe one of them might say, it looks sort of like the Logos. It's a different hair color. And here comes Papa. He's moving. And he turns around and says, Oh, Papa. Papa. I said he can talk. Maybe God let him get his legs a little bit, you know, a full-grown man, not, not a baby. He said, now, son, come with me. You see all this? I want you to give names to every one of them. Saints, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. This is our future home. Oh, you just got to go in because this ain't on the notes. We're just going as he leads. And the different animals come through. And Papa didn't say a word. He looked over his son and said, Go ahead. But Papa, what if I mess up? You won't mess up. You've got my mind. You know what I want done with my word. So here's this great old big thing. It's got these long things like this and then a long thing in the middle and 
weenie and short tail and stands 12, 14 feet tall, gray color. Adam says, elephant. Papa said, exactly what I was thinking. God had his first man with total preeminence. We're not sure how long this went on. Must have been so exciting day after day after day. Then Adam got all this fulfilled. Then he began to notice that there was two. Male elephant, female, horse, seals, cows, whales. He got thinking, but why am I by myself? Why am I? And it's amazing because he was longing for something, but he didn't know what it was or where it was. But it actually was within him. He was alone in paradise. Satan watched him day in, day out. You can't get a hold of him. Everything he does is the word, the word, the word. He prays about it. He talks to God every day. He walks, oh, oh, I want this place so bad. I can't stand it. I can taste it. I want it so bad. Then one day, Papa comes in. And he takes Adam into the OR. He lays him down and will say, Maybe just the Logos just wrapped his hand over like this. And Papa reached in and opened his side. Pulled back the skin. Pulled out a rib. And he starts forming and shaping. Then he goes into the spirit of man and he pulls out Dainty, love, feminish, meek, all that sort of thing. Unlike a lot of the women today, you'd be scared to meet them in the alley. There's so much. I seen one in Lowe's not long ago and she had a big old leather wallet about that big, you know, back in the back of her hip pocket, had on a man's pair of breeches. Had a big, nearly a log chain standing here strapped inside her. I thought, give that lady all the room she wants. I ain't no lady, that's right. (laughs) I wasn't going to tell her that, though. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. That's the kind of woman you say, yes, ma'am. Then she comes alive. (gasps) Her blonde hair hanging way down here. And her blue eyes are the most beautiful blue eyes you ever saw. And God brings her into the horse and now stand near him. So then the anesthesia now rub his head. And the blood pressure begins to lower and the heart. Who are you? 
I said to here Friday at the wedding, somebody asked me after the wedding, how many people do you reckon you're married? I said, I don't have a clue. I mean, I've done it since I was a kid. But it always amazes me when I'm standing here beside the groom and they open them doors. And he sees her standing there. And I'll watch him. His fingers and their hands and some of them, their feet will go to moving and some on their legs. And I tell them before they come out, don't lock your knees. <laughs> and you can feel. And if they'll wait, as they do sometimes, and the anticipation of the audience are sitting there. They're sitting there and they're sitting there. The first one will look back and then everybody else looks back. And the, what is it? It's the anticipation of the bride. And then what song do a lot of them sing? Here comes the bride. Why don't we sing that for the groom? And then everybody turns and they see her. There she is. Face it, brothers. You think that reception and all that stuff's for you? It ain't about you. It's about her. Oh, glory to God. It happened to me here Friday. I don't know how to explain it to you. But as they opened them doors back there, Brother Harold, it's like I could go be carried away in time. It's like I thought of it. Oh, God, that's the way it's going to be one day when the element of time breaks loose and the bride stands there before him. Hallelujah, no longer in time affected bodies and old, old bodies and gray hair and this and that and the other, Brother Dow, but we will be changed and we will have on our beautiful wedding garment and heaven will be... And he gets up Where did you come from? Maybe she just took his hand and put it over and said, You mean you've you you been in me all this time? What I longed for was in me? What I wanted was, was in me? And the enemy saw it. So she's the way. Made out of the broken continuity of God. This is the way. Let's stand. To be continued. We never get to the end of it anyway, friends. We're part of eternity. Where does that time go when we have broke out into the realm of the Word? My goodness, I didn't even get to page two. I love it when he does that. Thank you, Lord. Brother Josiah, let's read this first quote here. First, to express himself completely, God in Christ. Second, to have the preeminence by this in his church, which is his body, the bride. Till he could have the preeminence to express himself through them. And thirdly, to restore the kingdom. 
to its rightly position. That fell by sin by the first Adam. Back to where he walked in the cool of the evening with his people. Talked with them. Fellowshiped with them. This is why he came. This is why he sent a prophet. This is why he still gives us evangelists, pastors, teachers. This is why we have church. So that the Lord Jesus might gain preeminence in each of our lives. Now, I know it may seem strange to you because there's so many things that are out of our control. Sickness, disease, this, that, the other. There's just things about life we have no control over. None at all. And you say, but yet God's in control, still perfectly, completely in control. Oh, and just wait, friends, until the wheels of prophecy go to turning, and it'll happen so fast. Look at how this whole thing in Europe has unfolded. Who knows what tomorrow holds? Oh, my. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let the Lord Jesus prepare your heart. And Carol was talking about it one day this week, and I told her, I said, you know, it's like this. The people who struggle to live right and struggle to serve God, and it's like they do it with that, without that deposit of his own nature, which engulfs his love, to help them do it. They don't want to be lost. They don't want to go to hell. But it's like they don't have the inward ability to do this on their own. So many of them, what do they do? They find a church which requires less of them. And there they can go and just, you know, hang out and all this, that, and other. But it requires less. And they don't preach Christ in such, such a place. But for the bride, she'll never be satisfied until her heart has become his mercy seat. The altar and the throne All three in one. You see, Paul wrote about it in the book of Hebrews, and he said that God told Moses, I want you to build the things on the earth like what I showed you of the pattern in heaven. So where did Moses get the idea? It was not Moses' idea. God showed it to him. Where did he show it to him at? In heaven. So he builds the tabernacle in the wilderness, and he builds it from a similarity of a vision that he sees in heaven. So you got three courts. You got the different furniture. That was what was in heaven. The glory of God, it's amazing how that it increased from the tabernacle to Solomon's temple. And each time you'd think the glory was getting greater. And when it come to the Lord Jesus, it was at its greatest height. But it looked like it was less glorious than it was in the days of Solomon. In the days of Solomon, people came from around the known earth at the time, and they looked at it, built up on the hill, there on the hill of Moriah, and whenever they saw it there, the sun glistening down on the gold, it was breathtaking for miles around. Took people's breaths. And then between the Old and the New Testament, the dispensation changed. Now look at the temple. We see an old man down there, rough-looking old guy, eating locusts and wild honey. And he takes the house of God and does this to him. And God's new temple rises up out of the earth. And a dove comes down and rests upon him. And a voice says, 
This is my beloved son. This is him. I dwell in him. But the glory looks so much less. Whenever they sang and dedicated there in Kings, we'll get to it, but whenever they dedicated the temple there in Kings and the glory of God came and the people sang and they shouted and they rejoiced and the pillar of fire come down and filled the whole house, they couldn't even worship. They couldn't even sing. The preachers couldn't even preach. It was so glorious. And now the fullness of the Godhead bodily comes in this human temple and immediately the Bible says, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now the fullness of the Godhead bodily comes in a human body and the first place it leads him is temptation. Agonizing sorrow, hunger, pain, suffering. Would that look as glorious as Solomon's temple? No. Can't you see why people cannot recognize the Shekinah glory today? They're looking for a gigantic building. My, they go by and my, there's Porsches sitting out there in the front and there's Mercedes and there's BMW. Boy, that's the church I want to go to. Hallelujah. That's the ones right there. That's not it. He hides himself in a little simple washwoman. There's people here today that if I walked out of here and randomly took this microphone and handed it to you and said, I want you to quote me five scriptures word for word. There's not enough ambulances in Carter or Washington County to pack you all out of here. <laughs> and you may look powerless and weak, but when you get down on your knees to pray, Amen. demons go to getting out of your way. That's the kind of people we want in our church. Oh, sure. You can come here and be trash. You can come here and be liars, thieves, all kinds of stuff but we don't want you to leave the same way you came. Right? Come on, adulterer. Leave a washed daughter of God. Oh, Brother Donnie, I smoke. Am I welcome? You are. You're welcome. I, I've got a drinking problem. Well, I do too. So the main thing what I want to do is to help you change to my brand. It ain't old crow and it ain't Jack Daniels. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I've got problems. I've got issues. Bring your problems. Bring your issues. Let the Lord Jesus help you deal with them. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads if you want. The Lord Jesus found you the way he did the Jews of the Old Testament. I mentioned it here the other night in Ezekiel 16. I passed by thee and I saw thee in thy blood and I said, live, yea, I say live. I found you, you were neither salted nor suppled. He goes on explaining what a condition he found them in and what he turned them into. But I'm going to warn you before it happens. When God takes your chaotic world and turns it into a Garden of Eden, all hell will hate that transformation. But it's worth it, friends. Not only just when you get saved, but if you take a higher step in God, say God moves you from one place to another spiritually.
Sometimes it can be from one church to another. And with that move will come a great significant spiritual growth for you. You think it's all going to be good? Nope. I'll tell you all hell will come against you. Why? He hates an earth where the greens are so green and the blues are so blue and the yellows are so yellow. Carol's sister Sharon, she, they coded, or she coded rather, and she told Carol after that happened that she was in a land, a place. There were certain colors of flowers that she never did like in life. She just didn't care for the color. But when she journeyed into that place, there was that color, and they were so beautiful. The yellows were so yellow, and the sky, the grass. Oh, praise God. It's a waiting for us, children. But Satan wants to destroy your Eden, your paradise, your walk with God. Don't let him have it. It's worth fighting for. Your health, your children, your husband. And Carol pulled out of the parking lot here Wednesday night, Brother Dow, and I told her, I said, you know, one of these services, it'll be the last one we'll ever hear. We'll go home. Today could be the last time we'll ever gather church. I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying. I don't know when. But all I know is, it's going to be the last one. Oh, children, we want to be ready. We want him to have the... You say, what's that got to do with the rapture? This is the phase of the consummation for the bride being ready. That he has preeminence. For some of you, it might be the last week before the rapture that you finally let go of that certain thing that's hindered you your whole life. But somehow God helped you and you released it. When you released it here, somebody in Poland may have released the same thing. Somebody in Russia may have released something very similar. Somebody in Puerto Rico, somebody in in Argentina, wherever it is, and the bride all over the world, what a wonderful thing that'll be. When the bride, all of them, every member, and the Lord Jesus finally has complete control. Our bodies will follow our soul. So when we're finally able to say it for the last thing in our life, I give it to you, Lord. My fear, my anxiety, my trauma, that habit I sneaked around, Lord, and did, I give it to you. Take preeminence. Praise God. How many of you believers want that in your life today? Would you just raise your hand to the Lord? Visible and invisible. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, as I was looking this morning, searching at every quote where your prophet mentioned the word Russia, and I found it amazing Time and time again, he would use the thoughts of don't fear them. Don't be afraid of them. They're not going to destroy the world and take it over. I thought, wow, thank you, Lord, for prophetic insight. Lord Jesus, I pray you would help each of us today. That does not mean we're not concerned about our brothers and sisters there and even Europe as a whole. And Lord, as I said it a few weeks ago, if this is a prophetic war, and it is a war 
that must happen. We know wars in the Bible are represented by winds, and the winds would come, and they would blow, and be blusterous for a while, and then the angels of God would bind them, and they would leave. We don't know for sure, but we just know that the things that are, whether they be thrones, dominions, kingdoms, that were created by you. Lord, I'm more focused today on our hearts, our souls, our being right, being ready to meet you, Lord. If there's one here today that you do not have the preeminence, they're saved, but you're not fully their Lord. Lord God, grant that to us today, I pray. Jesus, be the Lord of all. If there's any room in my life, any avenue of my life that you're not Lord, show me. Show me, Lord. Help me, every individual here, every individual that are here this, Lord, that you can be the Lord of our life. The second fold of your purpose will not be finished and complete until every member of the elect body living, you are their Lord. The third fold cannot come until the second has been fulfilled. Grant it, Lord. Young, old, middle-aged, Help each of us today, Lord Jesus. Grant it, Lord. Anybody here willing to say, Lord, search me? Just search me, Lord. See if you say anything in me, Lord. Have I got an all against anybody? Lord, is there anybody on the earth? I'm talking about me now, Lord. Is there anybody on the earth I don't want an apology to? Is there anybody on the earth I need to fix anything with, Lord? Show me. Show me, Lord God, so I can make it right. Lord Jesus, we want to be ready, Father. Oh, hallelujah. I may not live till tomorrow, so I want to make sure everything is peace with you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship for just a minute? Let's just stand here in his presence and just let the Lord look down in your avenues. Oh, Brother Donnie, I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid of what he'll find. He knows it anyway. It's not that he'll find it new. It's just him finding it and letting you know about it. That's what it's all about, really. Can we just stand here in the presence of the Lord? All oh, that all it must have been on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Never the priests, the high priests, would be allowed to go into the presence of God. And they would go in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, seven times so they say, to come into what is called the Shekinah, or we call it the English Shekinah. And he would walk into that awesome holy place. Fear would run over him. But the anticipation also was calmed by knowing he had in his hands God's requirement. And he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and on the altar. This is why the bride of Christ today is able to be called into divine presence because the mercy seat. You understand? It's not in a church. We call this the altar. But in reality, the altar is in your heart. The mercy seat is sprinkled with his blood. This is why holiness is projected from a real child of God from within not just from without. 
People can look the holiness part. Look, friends, some of the Mennonites, some of the, uh, 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 you know, the Hutterites and, and uh, some of the others, Mennonites and Amish and some of them, they look as holy as many of the message people do. So it's not just holiness on the outside. It comes from the mercy seat. The altar, the mercy seat, the throne have all merged together under the sprinkling of the blood. And you stand here today as sinless as the Lord Jesus himself if you're in him. Let's worship him just a bit, can we? Jesus be Oh Lord God the Lord of all Sing it to him Jesus be With all your heart the Lord of all Jesus be the Lord of all kingdoms of Oh Jesus I surrender
I have heard how Christians long ago were brought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. Sing.
We worship you, Lord God. Heaven's come down again. Enjoy church today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Donnie, for reminding the Lord. It's good to be a Christian. Good to be in the house of God. Give the Lord one more good hand clap, if you will. Let's sing this just before we leave today. I believe you can sing this from your heart. Amen. Falling in love with you, Jesus. Falling in love with
his own. 